welcome to the Big Tent um, on Radio Boys. It's Radio Thon. Yes, it's Radio Thon. <laughs> so good times. Uh, and so. We're on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM Caldwell Boise. Um, almost forgot that one, but because it's Radiothon and we're so excited, it's hard to keep up with all the basic stuff. We sometimes <laughs> like to break the rules. Yes, exactly. Radiothon. And, you know, it's Radiothon, and we already have our first donation today. Thank you, Lindsay from Idaho. Oh, Lindsay, thank you. That is awesome. Yeah. Can I tell you that already we are ahead of my very first Radiothon when it took a full hour and we finally got one at the end? And already at the beginning, we have one. Yeah. That's amazing. We're doing amazing this radio <laughs> I mean, I really feel like it's the energy that me and Jackie bring to the show. <laughs> cool. Oh, I'm just going to remove myself and take this arrow out of my side. I'll be right back. I think what we bring with us is more family members. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's probably true. Anyway, I'm Jen Schneider. I'm here with my co-hosts, Jackie Kettler and Luke Fowler. We are faculty in the School of Public Service at Boise State. And we have a guest co-host with us today, Beth Markley. Hello. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I am a co-host with um, my uh, husband, Mike Markley, who uh, we uh, produce Vital Idaho on Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. And yesterday, uh, there was an earlier iteration of the show called Elemental Idaho that was an environmental public affairs a public uh, environmental public policy program and yesterday was our seventh anniversary of producing that show oh that Radio is so Sports. cool awesome. yeah. yeah our 365th uh show so wow. we're pretty proud of that well welcome to yahoo town with the big tent <laughs> where we we've had a total of 12 shows <laughs> i don't know something like that we've been on the air since last spring <laughs> it's a good show i've listened to it thank a lot thank you so appreciate you Thanks. being here all right well so we got a lot of stuff to talk about today a lot of fun exciting things and you get us for an entire hour so as your listeners you should be super excited right now about that but before we start that there is a number to call if you're excited about this program. That's 208-258-2072. We do depend on listeners, not just family members, but other. And, and I'm speaking as one who, like, my mom was, you know, called yesterday. She was on it. Dutifully. <laughs> uh, and it uh, used to be when my, when my husband wasn't on the program with me, uh, he was also, like, donor number two. Uh, now he donates to everybody else's show around here. So... Um, 208-258-2072 or you can go online at radioboise.org and we'll read your name on the air and I will say that we usually get our clocks cleaned by the music shows we know you all love the music here at Radio Boise but we are hoping that you will also show up for our public affairs programming so great way to do that radioboise.org we have a new easy giving button I'm glad it's not just me seriously not just you because uh, uh, yeah, the the uh, the music shows get a lot of attention, and those are awesome. And and Radio Boise focuses on a lot of original programming, and and all of our folks who do music shows, they curate these great music lists, and they know a lot about the genres that they're playing. Uh, they're really well informed, and they get a lot of freedom to do that. And I think people really appreciate that, and that's awesome. We also have some really important stuff that we're talking about on our public affairs program, so. Uh, it's all one big package, and it's all local voices, so that's really cool. 
Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Local voices, and we also talk a lot about national news, speaking of. And, you know, the big national news story this week is kind of sad, kind of scary, is uh, bombings, or not bombings, but bombs mailed to several very prominent people uh, in America. On that list, uh, the Clintons, uh, the Obamas, Joe Biden. Um, George Soros. George Soros. Uh, and interesting enough, Robert Ro- De Niro. Robert De Niro. Yeah. That's what I was getting one because he's the one that's kind of like the outlier there. Uh, so uh, some pretty scary stuff. Um, and, and as this has gone on, not just it was, I guess, originally happened on Wednesday, but there's been more that have been mailed out today. So this is a multi-day thing. Definitely um, some people working hard to not only investigate this and, and find it down, but there's a, a lot of things up in there. So it's kind of a, an interesting story as it's, it's breaking. Um, so what, what are y'all's thoughts on this story as, as from what you've read and heard so far about it all well there's some interesting details i think i mean um most of the folks that have been targeted are on the east coast as you might expect in new york and dc um but also on the west coast maxine waters Mm -hmm. so you're seeing folks who i think have been very prominent democratic critics of the president and that's probably why de niro was included in there he recently made some fairly harsh comments um about uh the trump administration so i think that uh that tells you that this person is very clearly targeting some of the loudest voices in the party um and then the other detail i think um is interesting is there's been quite a bit of speculation on in the twitterverse um about those probably being fake bombs they're sort of like cartoon bombs with a um some sort of timing device taped in the middle of them meant to look very scary but probably not to do any harm and in fact none of them were detonated that, so that's like a false flag type mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, so I've read the same things that, uh, you know, these things didn't go off. And so they're questioning, now the FBI and one of the articles I read are questioning whether this person is really good at bu- building bombs, they did this on purpose, or they're really bad at it, <laughs> and they didn't understand what they're doing. And so they're working, trying to figure out some of this, what the motivation might have been to this. But, I mean, the conspiracy theories are always interesting, right? Because the argument, as, as we were talking about earlier, is always like, oh, wait, these people are completely inept. They don't know what they're doing until it comes to a conspiracy and then they get really organized and really industrious yeah although i have to say i I feel um myself sort of unmoored about how to read this so the return address is debbie wasserman schultz who was the head of the democratic national committee and so it it seems like there's been some folks who have said well that's a sign that this is somebody on the left who sort of wants to um, set up the Trump administration as fomenting violence and then of course there are folks on the left who say no clearly this is somebody on the right who has been encouraged by Trump's violent rhetoric to do this and um, I think you know three or four years ago I would have interpreted it a little more straight but I feel like everything's so topsy-turvy now it's really hard to know what the outcome of this might be but we definitely like you know it raises concerns about some of the rhetoric that's been used that has been kind of dehumanizing the other side the opposition or continuing to criticize some of these leaders. I think CNN also um, had a suspicious suspicious package arrive. So it does raise concerns about some of the rhetoric used um, by political leaders in terms of how we speak about our opponents and that dehumanization element. And in particular, the president calling out the press as enemies of 
the state um, and at rallies there have been a lot of really interesting reports of journalists and others who've been specifically targeted for violence at rallies and um, I don't know if you saw it making the rounds on social media last week but somebody had a shirt made up that said something like um, tree noose journalists just mix and <laughs> add water and and there you get your outcome that you want so really heightened rhetoric I think a lot of fear around um, maintaining a free press in this country yeah and I, again uh, you know we, we point out sometimes things that Donald Trump says and someone would say it's hyperbole and all this type of stuff but I mean this is clearly the end result and what happens when we take this type of rhetoric to the extreme that eventually it always leads to violence or because as much of as many reasonable adults there are here that can see through that and see it as just you know rhetoric and grandstanding there are people that don't see it that way and take it a little too seriously particularly those people that are out on the Twitterverse and some of the things on the internet and so I mean this is this is the likely outcome and that's why it's so important for people to be a little bit more guarded in the things they say and how they characterize you know their political enemies or, or the opposition and, and not being dehumanizing in these ways. I mean, at the end of the day, this is why norms matter, right? It's not just about being politically correct. It's not just about saying the right thing or being acceptable. It's because democracies rest on institutions, but also on norms. Yeah, and there's some interesting research finding that, um, you know, we have these norms that keep us, we kind of recognize that being racist or sexist, there is some problematic there, so we're not, op- usually not really open with those views, yet there's no social norm that's like, you know, that cr- holds us back from being very critical or, or violent in our discussion towards an, an, the opposite party. And so there, you know, we don't have those same social norms on on talking about our dislike or hate of the other side and that kind of may lead to some of this dehumanization rhetoric as well yeah absolutely well i'll tell you who likes to follow norms the folks here at radio boise no that's terrible no, in fact we don't we don't follow norms i've really had some rough segues that i've had to make the last two weeks though can i can i get a break it's a tough topic to <laughs> fear from <laughs> listen we wanted to start we wanted to start with a serious topic and then um, we'll move to some lighter stuff we promise but this was top of the news so I think um, all of us really care about the work that we're doing here at Radio Boise that's what I meant to say <laughs> that's why I should have started we think it's really important that there are outlets like Radio Boise where communities can come together and have the kinds of conversations we're having here I know Beth you probably do that on your show too so it's covering things that matter to people here well, in Actually, that was one of the reasons that I, that I was drawn to Radio Boise, because I have absolutely no background in uh, broadcast journalism. Uh, I, I did have a, a background in, in print journalism, but when I first met the, the founder of the station, Jeff Abrams, and I said, why are you trying to, and this was back before it was on the air, it was, on, it was streaming live on, online, uh, I said, why, why a community radio station? And he said, we, are, we were the biggest at that time, metropolitan area, without a community radio station. And he said, you know, 90% of everything that you see here and read is controlled by five or six companies worldwide. And, and that really struck me because um, a robust media and, and opportunity for diverse voices is a cornerstone of democracy. And and you know in this in this day and age when there's this there's a lot of rhetoric and there's a lot of I, I I have anxiety about being caught in just yelling into my own little echo chamber yeah. 
And am I surrounding myself with people who are saying all of the same things? And if that's what happens, how do I know that I'm that I'm balancing out, you know, different different opinions and different facts and making an informed decision? And it's especially important right now when we, you know, when we when we see that, you know, uh, uh, the media gets sucked in to, you know, one highlight story or another, and then suddenly we're distracted from things that, you know, are happening to the, the tax code or to, you know, immigration reform or to things that are really important. Uh, not that, not that, you know, bombs in the mail aren't important or, or very newsworthy, but it's also like where, how do we find out about um, folks here and what's going on in our own legislature? Yeah, and. Uh, and then that's why I ended up starting a, a radio program was because I was going, I was auditing some, you know, committee meetings at the legislature, and I didn't know what half of these terms meant. Mm-hmm. And there was no place to look them up online. And except and if I saw Betsy Russell there and I knew she was blogging <laughs> about stuff real time, I could go and look up her blog and be like, okay, that's what that means. But there just was this lack of information, even with a local paper uh, and and other resources for in-depth, like, deep dive on this stuff and that's what it means to have this community radio as a as a resource in our community and we are the last locally owned and controlled uh, media resource so I, I feel really proud about that yeah, so if that's something you want to support, we would love for you to go to radioboise.org. It's super easy to give there. Um, last Radiothon, last spring, that was my first Radiothon. I uh, myself signed up at radioboise.org, and I just give a monthly gift. That has been the easiest way for me to support the station. I don't even miss it because it just comes out <laughs> of our bank account once a month. Um, super easy. And you can do that at radioboise.org, or you can call us at 208 258 2072. You can do a one-time donation. Any amount really helps us out. You have five bucks, you have 10 bucks. That is great. And speaking of, it's really exciting, but we have um, a donation that just came in from Bill. Um, Thank you so much for helping uh, us out here on the big tent. Um, So if you want to make like Bill, give us a one-time donation, please give us a call at 208-258-2072 or go to radioboise.org. Now, there's a third option for people to donating. If you're in the downtown Ooh. area, you can also wait, come wait. and visit us. It involves us. donuts, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, at the Alaska Building at 1020 West Main Street. There's food. There's still some Guru Donuts. I think uh, several of us already enjoyed some. <laughs> yeah, there's other free food. We're all just hanging out down here. So you're welcome to come in, um, check out the studio, see what actually goes on down here, meet Wayne, meet all the volunteers, mm-hmm. uh, and get you know a real uh, an opportunity to, to not just donate, but to get involved more with the community that is ready. Boise. So certainly if you're in downtown uh, either right now or you're going to be later today, Radiothon is non-stop. <laughs> so come on in. And we have some big goals, right? We're trying to earn 60000 for the mm-hmm. station. I think we're getting, we're edging up on 50000 We have another day to go, but this is a, r- a real opportunity to show that you value um, what's happening here at Radio Boise. All right, we're going to switch back and talk a little bit about some local news. We have an elections preview, and Jackie, you're sort of our elections specialist (laughs) here at the Big Tent, focusing on state and local elections. Um, We've talked about the propositions, Prop Mm -hmm. 1 and Prop 2. What else are you keeping an eye on heading into November? Well, we have an open gubernatorial race, right, which is is, even for a a mostly one-party state. It's still interesting um, and exciting to see um, some new candidates running um, for that position. Um, You know, I think... 
Paulette Jordan's campaign may have been underestimated some in the primary. We didn't fully recognize all the grassroots support um, that was out there. And we've seen her gather a lot of small donations. And so seeing how that may translate into the general election will be interesting, even though, you know, it's an op- uphill battle um, for her. You know, though, I have noticed something just as a layperson. I'm Obviously, this is not my area of expertise, but with Jordan's campaign, she was getting kind of a lot of not negative, but sort of questioning media coverage for a while there about how the campaign was being run. There were a lot of questions about that. And then just recently, it seems like there's been a few profiles that have been very positive, and they've sort of um, painted her as incredibly charismatic, almost goddess-like figure where people are coming up to her at speeches and rallies, and they just want to touch her and have pictures taken with her. But I I do think there's some difference between the national coverage Mm -hmm. and more local and mm-hmm. state coverage where the the national profiles have been quite flattering. The the state and local coverage has sometimes been um, focused on some of the, you know, questioning some of the elements a little bit more in depth than those national profiles do. Although local coverage of that debate with her and and Brad Little, somebody uh, that I, th- I want to say was the statesman talked about a veteran in the audience sort of ripping off his Brad Little sticker and saying, I'm voting for her. <laughs> Right. I think when people see her in person, I think there's the potential for them to be swayed. And that's a story we haven't really heard about her campaign yet. I thought it was really interesting in the um, in one of the debates for lieutenant governor. I think it was on uh, Idaho Public Television where Kristen Cullum and and Janice McGeechan were talking about uh, whether uh, Kristen Cullum was aligned with that campaign. And of course, in our state, you don't necessarily have to align as the governor and lieutenant governor. Uh, And I think. I think the statement that um, Janice McGeechan made at the time was, well, it's interesting that you're separating yourself from her campaign now that it's falling apart. And I say that with air quotes because um, I, I, I suspect that she's talking about um, some of the some of the new the news stories about that pack that was started and some staff turnover. I don't know that I would characterize it as falling apart per se. Maybe that's just, you know, rhetoric. But. Um, any th- insights on, on, on stuff like that? I mean, do campaigns generally just go through this kind of a little bit of churn at this stage in the game? Sure, but usually not at this stage. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there'll be campaign turnover after the primary, like, okay, we're going to change direction some, or mm-hmm. people have to shift to other types of things. It was a little late for kind of just normal turnover. That being said, it's not like unprecedented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a sign of a campaign falling apart, though people may have questions or and it can slow you down it can slow down that steps momentum you might have had or plans you have to get people on board up to speed um, so it can kind of cause problems that way I do think there was a low-key narrative developing around Jordan though and that her campaign wasn't being well run that her messaging wasn't always on point she wasn't responding to journalists requests um, and that that group leaving the campaign I think sort of confirmed some of those you know rumblings Rumblings. Um, but it seems to me that she may have turned some sort of corner here going into this last leg of the race. And it'll, it will be interesting to see what, what those final numbers are. It's a tough race. I mean, I know for her, it's going to be a really tough race mm-hmm. no matter what. Brad Little is really well liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of history with that legislature. He's got a lot of education and knowledge and and, and understanding of the issues. And 
and and he's not he's he's not a far right candidate. So and I looked at previous elections and he got a higher percentage of the vote for in lieutenant governor races than like Governor Otter did mm-hmm. in the gubernatorial race. So he does have um, some pop. He, he's a popular Republican figure, mm-hmm. um, and so in a Republican state, that does give you even some more advantage. Yeah, I mean it's it it you know it, it's an exciting race no matter what mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. It's been excited to watch and, and to have that kind of profile nationally for that. Also election. exciting is we just got another donation. Hey. Um, yeah, Julie from Campbell, California. Hi, right, Julie. Thank uh, you so much. Just donated, and we really appreciate that donation. It's awesome. Listen, we're getting donations from California to Mississippi. I mean, we are have nationwide appeal here, guys, on this show. So that's just uh, just adding to the value we bring Boise's community. It's not just about the Treasure Valley. We have nationwide listeners and audiences <laughs> here. Also, we're showing all of our friends here at Radio Boise that public affairs matters and that we can show up on that donation board that we have out there and that your support really matters. So we really appreciate that. Where do folks go if they want to donate, Luke? Well, there's three options. Uh, the first is the phone, uh, 208-258-2072. You can call. We have lovely volunteers that will chat with you and take your donation and tell you more about Radio Boise. You can also go online, which, because I don't like talking to people in person a lot of the time, <laughs> I prefer online donations. Uh, so uh, you go on. There's a very uh, easy way to, to donate. You just do a couple clicks. And then uh, if you're downtown, come and see us at the Alaska Building, 1020 West Maine. Um, we're here doing the show. You can come down and see the studio, get some free food, hang out. Um, so three easy ways to donate, um, and please do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I um, I also have no journalist training. Do either two of you? I know you no. do. You do a lot oh, of interviews, Jackie, but I, no, no training. <laughs> don't I? Doesn't it is obvious how I have extensive journalist training? I mean, it just it, shows. Yes, doesn't it, it just show? I mean, Jim, we've been doing the show so long, right? Isn't that why you brought me on? on? Is because you want to bring some legitimacy to it the is. interviews? I was like, we need somebody with some uh, some responsibility in this room. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I all that by way of saying that we really are volunteers here. We come because we value what's happening here at Radio Boise. And I maybe I can speak for the three of us, but disagree with me if you want to, that I think um, there's some fatigue with the types of talk mm-hmm. radio that are out there. Of course, there's NPR. They're great. Um, but sort of the he said, she said types of radio, um, get, that just gets really tiring. And it also feels like it's pretty prepackaged. A colleague of ours, Seth Ashley, who's been on the show, he has been doing some work on algorithms and big data. And he showed um, today on Facebook, he said, you can enter in bombs by and then it will fill in a bunch of sort of misleading information and I think man that's such a good metaphor for where a lot of our information comes from today and so I know we're a little rusty we're a little funky here at Radio Boise but you also know that we're authentic and we're real and we're local and uh, we really I have a funny story that. that speaks to that like that rustic kind of nature of the word the very grassroots so I, I, I had a guest on my program and and uh, might have been I don't know I'm not gonna say who it was because uh, uh, anyway sat down across from me and we're, we're it was Taylor chatting. Swift you can say it no right oh. you know right. Uh, another big high-profile <laughs> person 
in our local stratosphere. But uh, he said, you know, I when I've I've subbed for Bob Custra on uh, uh, Reader's Corner, yeah, on mm-hmm. Reader's Corner on KBSU, and and he was talking to me. He's like, that. So I've got like all this, you know, hosting a radio show kind of experience. And I'm sitting there, like I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the board here. I'm over here at the board. I'm I'm dropping in the music and the underwriting that we're gonna do. And and I'm like, oh yeah, really? Test your you know mic and your headphones. He's like, oh, but I never ran the bored and did the interview <laughs> and I'm like yeah familiar. honey <laughs> snap <laughs> so it's like so we may not have brought a bunch of formal training um, but we did have to go through a pretty vigorous I think training and testing and vetting process. So, and that's what's amazed me of, amazes me about all of our volunteers is that everybody goes through the same, you know, you submit a demo or a show proposal and a demo and you go through extensive training and you get FCC certified and you need to, you know, bring it every single week. And it doesn't matter if your show falls on Christmas or in your case, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna, um, or if you're, you know, you got a sore throat or something, you know, you gotta come and bring your show every single time. And uh, that's what that's what we've got hundreds of volunteers who do that, and that's I think that's really really remarkable. So Radio Boise is all about just keeping the keeping the lights on, keeping the music coming, keeping good public affairs radio mm-hmm. on the air. So if that's something you sound like you want to support, give us a call at two zero eight two five eight two zero seven two. We have had two donations so far, and really three. Three donations. Yes, we've had three. We're we're destroying last year's record. That's I mean, and I I would just challenge us to try to meet or exceed last week when we had six. Yeah. So, are there folks out there who could close close down your uh, computer at work? I mean, it's almost a quitting time. Your boss will never know. Close down your your uh, window at work. Open up RadioBoise.org and just throw in five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you can give. Or leave your office and come down to the studio. And if anybody asks, say you have a doctor's appointment with Doctor Jen Snyder, <laughs> I will. She will write I you will a note. Sign that note, and you can give it to your boss. <laughs> you're meeting with doctors. Especially if your sickness is philosophy, I will sign that note. I mean, so all of our sicknesses are philosophy. <laughs> got a fever. Philosophy. Or just come down here and Jen will tell you about philosophy. It'll make you sick. It's an odd way. I should be clear. I'm not a philosopher, actually. <laughs> so I don't want anybody to get excited. Uh, yeah, come down to 1020 West Main Street. There's always parking out front. There's free Guru Donuts. You can come on in and see what we're doing down here. Um, or if you're like Luke and I and you really don't like other human contact, you can go to RadioBoise.org. It's super easy to give. You can set up a small monthly donation. You could set up a large monthly donation. You could do a one-time gift. There's also a lot of swag on the website so you can get some uh, really nice t-shirts some stuff that is in high demand oh man those hoodies they yeah. are really good so you can get a radio boise and that's i think it's like a fleece a sherpa lined zip hooded sweatshirt with our <sighs> you our had custom. me at sherpa i know yeah, that was pretty cool Sherpa, if I say it slow. <laughs> so it's a Sherpa line sweat uh, uh, hoodie. Or, it's twenty five dollars a month. 
or a one-time donation of 300 And at this point, we have almost all of the Radio Boise swag at our house, but they keep coming up with new stuff. Can you tell me about that hat? Because that, that's what so I want next. the Radio Boise hat or beanie, but this is kind of like the trucker mm, style. Like yeah, that's hat. what we're talking about. <laughs> um, that's $180, one-time donation, or $15 That's month. $15 a month. That's like three pumpkin spice lattes or whatever yeah. your drug is. <laughs> like, that's nothing. the pumpkin spice. Do the hat. Yeah. Pumpkin spice comes and goes, but hats yeah. are forever. And you'll be part of the cool club. With I the, know. It's true. I, you know what I'm really encouraged by the Radio Boise stickers I see everywhere. Yeah. Um, if you've got to get yourself one of those, any donation, be, uh, up to 59 bucks, any donation, you can come in and get one of those vinyl logo decals that you're seeing on everybody's cars, on computers. I've got one on my mug at home. Uh, you know, they are they are cool collector's deals. No, so. we have 30 minutes left, so we really just, hey, if we could get four more donors, that would be huge. We would break our record from last week. And, I mean, I'm, we don't have to stop at four. <laughs> it's not like we won't answer the phone. We will. You could call 208-258-2072, but help us break that record from last week. That would be great. All right, so now we have something exciting. <laughs> Jen is very excited about this because this was Jen's idea. So let's just be clear about I that. I just It'll... wanted to make sure we didn't do trivia again. <laughs> Listen, Jen doesn't want to do trivia because so she was terrible at it. So it should be clear to everybody. My kids are still giving me the grief about it. Let me tell uh, you what. I just encourage all of our listeners to go to SoundCloud, listen to old, old episodes, but particularly go back and listen to Jen's performance in trivia. And then ask yourself if you want her on your trivia team on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, you can ask yourself, why do people get PhDs? Yes. I mean, that's also another question, but I don't think y'all should ask that because it... Well, that's a di- that's an entirely different hour. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, that's a that's a long story. All right. So what what is it, Luke? Set it up. All right. So this is the gen- the game that Jen came up with. Uh, me and <laughs> Jackie and Jen... Game. We uh, we all went through and found some interesting articles. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting, I've looked at all of them, and I thought we'd all pick the same ones. All actually end up picking different articles Go and different stories. Um, so we're gonna randomly uh, pull them out and talk about them. Um, and they're headlines, right? Yes, they're head. Well. I print off stories, but yes, headlines, and so we're just talking about the general story. So, or in my case, unreadable speed round or something. Yeah, take our time with these or what? Yeah, so we'll read a headline and we'll just real quick talk about why we picked that story. Yeah, Jackie, why don't you? It's not a game, Luke. All right, it's just informative, good time. Very serious. I'm going to let Jackie go first because she basically just scribbled on a sheet of paper. Oh, you want me to pick one of mine? Yes, you can. <laughs> oh, he's so yeah, funny your handwriting, Jack. I know you are it a doctor. is actually kind of terrible. Oh, okay. So right. I'm not going. There's a reason I don't write on the board in <laughs> class because no one would read it. Um, so I'm. I just learned this week that uh, the city of Los Angeles is voting on um, an initiative to create a public bank, kind of like a public credit union, where they will they will use instead of going through like Wall Street banks, which I think is an interesting idea, kind of. You see, I know some universities are trying to, like, divest uh, from certain industries. So this is kind of an interesting local effort to withdraw from the Wall, Wall Street banking industry, which is kind of interesting to me. It is. And I, I, I don't know what the exact percentage is because you all know how I am with numbers. But there is a large number of folks in this country who are what we call underbanked, mm-hmm. which means they don't have access to banking accounts. They can't get credit. They don't trust banks. And a lot of those folks are disproportionately people of color so it's one of the ways in which sort of our legacy of racism gets perpetuated so so this is a really exciting thing we'll be keeping an eye on that well and on the other hand it, it's very interesting because it blurs the lines between 
what is public and what is private and what our public what our government should be doing and all that type of stuff so i mean it's definitely interesting in a lot of different from a lot of different perspectives right absolutely and just trying to implement it would be i mean like it'd be a big deal just to create that implement it so some interesting just government creation complications but interesting like i definitely one that i'll pay attention to in a couple weeks yeah definitely all right luke what else we got all right i'll pick one of my stories now oh Um, is that how we play the game Okay. Which is not a game. game, This is very Uh, serious. Elon Musk steps down as chairman and deal with SEC over tweet about Tesla. Elon. This is uh, really another headline and a long story that's Mm -hmm. gone on really Mm -hmm. all summer. It starts with uh, really like when the, the, if everybody remembers when the kids in Thailand were trapped in the cave and Elon Musk sends over his submarine. Mm -hmm. And then that goes into a Twitter battle with him. Uh, accusing uh, like one of the guys involved in that. There's names and there's threats of lawsuits. And then he tweets out stuff about taking the company private. And it's just been Smo- a... He smokes pot on yeah. Howard Stern. Yeah, and so it just, it's just it been like a long downward spiral for Elon Musk. And it's eventually... And what this uh, deal with the SEC is about is they tweeted out that he could take the company private and then people went <laughs> out and bought and sold Tesla stock based on that. And it turns out that wasn't true, that he was just basically like kind of you know posturing or whatever and so it manipulated the stock market and the sec doesn't like when you know people that own publicly traded companies make false reports about the things that are going on with those companies from my understanding the board was kind of pushing on him before yeah. that particular instance just because of some instability perhaps yeah. and kind yeah, of yeah there were a lot of investor phone calls the journalists were on where he sounded a little unhinged yeah i mean so this has been a long downward spiral but that was just mm-hmm. kind of the i guess may, i'm not even gonna call it the low point but it's a low point for the time being um and so yeah it's a, a summer of elon musk ask, acting insane so yeah good story you know what though i for me it makes me a little sad because i think of him not just as sort of a um business person but i think he's also been a public intellectual and particularly around like renewable energy and efficiency um innovations you know like the hyperloop and things like that and i think a lot of people closely watch somebody like Elon Musk um, for where and how to be thinking about technological solutions. And so, you know, of course, I don't want anything bad to happen to him as a human. But also, I think he symbolized something larger than himself. He was a really important uh, figure in that way. So it's a it's a sad story. And I hope that he hope he rebounds. So can I throw out my conspiracy theory on this? Oh Lord! Yeah. So can I think we, can I, we stop you? I think he's doing. Listen, I think he's doing all this on purpose so the stock price bottoms out, and mm. then he takes the company private. That is a conspiracy theory. Yes, that's my theory. I like it. Just wait. So should we buy stock? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I've never encouraged anybody never to recommend, buy stock. Yeah, we would never recommend something like that here at Radio Boise. Okay. Oh no, no, don't ever listen to my like recommendations on stock because I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's just my conspiracy theory this week. <laughs> Can I give you two a recommendation? Sure. You could go to RadioBoise.org. <laughs> that was your best segue. <laughs> that yeah, was a really was, good one. That was though. really like that's uh, that's the top. <laughs> invest a great job, in community people power. I tell radio. you what, you will not be wasting your investment if you go to RadioBoise.org. And I have some more exciting news, which is that we have two more donations, bringing our total to five. I want to thank wow, Sharla in Boise and Rebecca in Boise, um, both who have donated here at the Big Tent, um, taking us really close to our goal of getting seven donors. Seven donors. By the top Ooh. of the hour. Listen, I think we, we have, can do it. We, can hit it. we have like 
23 minutes left. There's plenty of time, and there's plenty, plenty of, of opportunity. And there's a lot to cover in those yeah. 23 minutes. So we're, we're. I mean, we have a lot we, more headlines to pull out of the hat because this is the most exciting and fun game we've ever done. Yeah, Jen, I believe it's your turn to uh, pull out one of your headlines. <laughs> okay, I will pull out a headline, but I'm just going to tell you first before you do that that in the next 23 minutes, we would love, love for you to call 208. 258-2072. There's a really nice volunteer who will answer the phone, take your information. You could do a one-time donation. Very easy. Any amount will help us out. Or you could set up a recurring donation. If you certain recurring donations, you get some pretty nice Radio Boise swag. So you can definitely uh, check that out. You can also go to RadioBoise.org. There's pictures of the swag there, I think, right? Yeah. Beth? Now, you just go right to RadioBoise.org, and on the homepage, you can see the pictures. You can see the the fleece line. Yes. Um, Sherpa. Sherpa, whatever. Shwarma. Shwarma. Fleece line You know what? I'll donate if you have one of the, uh, those. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll donate more money for that. that $100 awesome. a month, you get a sheep. A Radio <laughs> Boise sheep. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. That is a really good deal. Uh, you can also come down to 1020 West Main Street. We're in the basement of the Alaska building, which I had never been here, believe it or not, until I, I started basement. And people have this vision of this dark, dank place, no, but it's, it's, it's like the garden level mm-hmm. of yeah. the Alaska building. And it's really kind of, there are nights like tomorrow night when we, when we end Radiothon, we'll have a nice big party down here. You can come down at like around eight o'clock, you know, just slip in at the last minute, get your donation in and see a bunch of folks and, and kind of hobnob with your favorite radio personalities amongst which are all of us, I'm sure, were favorites, right, <laughs> in your radio life. Uh, uh, but it is actually a nice a nice location yeah. down here. And maybe you're a teenager who w- is interested in being on the radio someday or a 20-something who'd like to have your own show someday. Great opportunity to come down, check it out. We've got some We'd love for folks to come We've in. got some great uh, outreach into the schools. We've got teenagers who are getting engaged in radio. And that's another thing about this, the, about Radio Boise is, is we're bringing up a new generation of radio enthusiasts and and it's not like they're going out there and getting trained at some of these corporate media locations uh we're we're going out into the schools and i think that's really cool and we do have teenagers um some of whom are programmers some who of whom come in here and work on our youtube channel uh it's it's a great you know my kids have grown up with radio boise so i think it's a wonderful opportunity so if that's something you want to support, please go to RadioBoise.org. Use our new Easy Giving button. Jackie, what's that in your hand? We got more donations. Oh, oh my God. We, we are killing it. We've, we've got uh, Jody from uh, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, who's uh, yes. supporting us. So thanks. Thank and you, then Jody. as well, uh, uh, Sandra from Williamsburg, Kansas, who's my mom. Oh. My mom made a donation. Thanks, Mom. Moms are awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, I believe uh, Jody is my dad. So the parents are <laughs> really supporting us and so even mine and jackie's parents are in on this guys you listen guys, you I, don't want mississippi to show you up boise no. you better call help us out support community radio yeah i'd love for you to do that 208-258-2072 all right are you guys ready for my headline uh i'm on the edge of my seat for this are you yeah <laughs> not really i read the headlines earlier oh, so. heck. well i'm on my edge of my seat <laughs> I, I just can't wait all right so this is it's going to sound boring but i don't think it's boring so online publication the verge and the headline is apple and samsung find in italy for slowing down their phones 
So the reason I like this story is because if you're suspecting that some large multinational corporation is slowing down your phone, you might be right. So you're not crazy. But also, we have a mixed family in my house. We have half Android users and half Apple users. Mm -hmm. And my husband really likes to make fun of me for having an iPhone and for all the ways in which Apple has planned obsolescence and changes their headphone jacks and all sorts of stupid, ugly things. But guess what? Samsung also did it. Those dirty dogs. They also did it. So I'm just going to That's go not a value that. judgment. That's just, just a, big, you know, the the overall scheme of things in 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 planned obsolescence. Yes. That you download kinda, that update mm-hmm. and then you can't use your phone anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is basically just an I told you so story. <laughs> about my marriage. <laughs> I'm sure we all have those. <laughs> Mine happens to not be on this topic, but... I love you, honey. <laughs> Has he called in yet? I mean, that's no, the big I question. No, I texted him, too. Wait until you hear the next headline, Eric. You better call in. <laughs> I can only have ramifications long beyond Radiothon. Awesome. All right, Which, what's Eric, on? if you're listening, that number is 208-258-2072. Or, you can, or, Eric, you can come down to the studio. And we will put you on the air to talk to your wife about these you things. You can plead your case. <laughs> or you can use your Samsung phone. Go to radioboise.org. If it's if not it will too let you. slow. <laughs> and if it, oh, if the page loads, if you haven't done an update recently and the page loads, uh, you can use the easy giving button and choose some awesome swag. Um, and, uh, you know, it'd be fine for two households to have a, a monthly donation. That's fine. We'll talk about it later. All right. What's our next headline? Jackie, I believe you're up. Jackie. All right. Um, so I, another, you know, I'm really focused on elections right now, right? Like we're a couple weeks no, out. That's the talk of the town. Um, I can barely think about it. It just makes me a little nauseous. <laughs> well, this one's an interesting one. It's out of Fargo, North Dakota, and they are considering an approval voting system for their city elections in which you could vote for every single candidate on the ballot. And there could be four, there could be six candidates on the ballot, and you could vote for every single one of them. At once. At once. Like you just push one button and you're done? Or just like vote for you vote for each candidate and uh the goal would just be whoever gets the most votes wins um what am i missing because that just sounds like voting but (laughs) it's unusual i mean i'm not big on math but (laughs) sometimes you have like ranked voting right where you like say this is my favorite candidate this is my next usually you're limited to like one candidate per district or two candidates per district this you could have 10 candidates for one district and you could vote for every single one of them oh i see so like if you had six candidates for governor or something like that or for mayor you could vote for all six wow and all of the above option so it's almost like the exact opposite of abstaining for election like going in Mm -hmm. and be like i'm not voting for anybody Mm -hmm. it's like i'm voting for everybody Mm -hmm. which is an interesting option wild and what's the thinking behind that that like encourage more candidates to run um you know like you get out of this just like there's only like a couple you know only one competitive candidate or you know it kind of makes strategic voting interesting like you might like Uh who you would vote for who you would not it's actually kind of a it's an old system of voting like this is something that we've seen like i guess um voting for the pope and stuff like years ago like long time ago had a similar system so this is like going old school like way back um 
I'm kind of intrigued on whether yeah. they'll pass this and what in the world it would do to their elections, if so. So interesting. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for explaining that. All right, Luke, what you got? All right, I have a local headline from the Statesman. Suddenly, e-scooters are everywhere in Boise. Here's <gasps> oh, how and uh, how not to use them. All right, so I found this interesting. So me and my friend Chris went to a conference like two weeks ago in Atlanta, and these scooters are all over the place, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I come back to Boise, and suddenly they're all over the place. I'm like, what happened? Like, I <laughs> What just, did you do? Yeah, like, I was just like, they followed me back from Atlanta. I was like, what is happening now? Because I'd never seen them before. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been very interesting seeing people. Now, I will say uh, I was not sure about these scooters, but it seems like most people I've seen on them so far are acting responsibly. I only saw one people, one person trying to ride it down State Street. Where I was oh like, this God. person's going to get hit. They need to get on the sidewalk. <laughs> but for the most part, if people seem to be like acting responsibly with them and nothing too crazy. But uh, yeah, this is an interesting trend that's been yeah. going on in downtowns and cities. I do think it's interesting that they uh, they have a, a list of rules and things that are, are supposedly set up. Uh, and one of which I thought was really interesting that one of the companies, you have to scan your ID to prove that you're mm-hmm. 18 yep. in order to use them. Mm-hmm. But not both of them because my 16 year old just rode over here just to get line. a donut yeah and he's like i'm like are you gonna be late for work and he's like it's fine i'm on a scooter and i'm like is that legal and he says it's doable <laughs> so um I, I like i like the way he thinks yeah entrepreneurial yeah good. and then you know last night saw someone riding downhill road in the dark so i think oh, those are supposed to be done yeah. at so there's some safety issues mm-hmm. here but for the i mean i i I think they're cool. I just haven't gotten brave enough because I'm going to break a bone the minute I get on one of them. You yeah, know what? I, I, was I haven't worried. tried it yet. I was worried about it, and I am a very clumsy person, but I got on it, and it was super fun. So I posted about this on Facebook last week, and Jess Evett, who's the station manager here, was like, bah, I don't like seeing people go around happy on scooters. <laughs> but... I was on the scooter, and the minute that thing started going, I had a huge grin on my face. It is super fun. <laughs> the wind's blowing in your hair, and you're just tooling along. It's great. And I also hope it's a disruptive technology in that it might help us avoid some of those short car trips um, and mm-hmm. cut down on some emissions. I think that would be well, great. where it works great is if you're going a short distance, right? And so, yeah, if someone's using that instead of getting in their car and driving, you know, just a couple minutes, that is great. Like, that is... Um, but we also see, like, I know some cities have had problems on where they end up going, like where they end yeah. up getting parked, where yeah. maybe they shouldn't be. So we'll see. But seems to be working out fairly well so far. I haven't mm-hmm. seen a lot of bad actors I've heard yet. some people say, oh, it's parked in ADA space. And I'm like, you know what? They don't look all that heavy. If you see something blocking public access to something important, you know, move just it. move it. That's mm-hmm. like the, it's not like picking up somebody else's dog crap. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's not that hard. Just move it so, you know, somebody doesn't suffer unnecessarily. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it could be it, it, it could be kind of cool. Yeah, it definitely something that I see as having a lot of potential. But the question is, as Jackie said, like the bad actors, like who's mm-hmm. eventually going to break the system and how they're going to break <laughs> it, you know? Well, that's part of their business models. Yeah. Like my husband just got home from a trip to Spokane, and he said they saw sort of a nest of them had been thrown in the river up there. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, but my understanding is that the companies anticipate that that's going to happen, and they sort of built it into their margins. Um, and that for the most part, these are being used properly and well. I suppose you could get run over by one if you're an unsuspecting pedestrian, but that's also true for for bikes and skateboards. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just something we're going to have to get familiar with, and uh, they're fun. Get on one. All right, Jen, let's hear your uh, let's hear your second headline. Oh, uh, what is this my pile of headlines? Yes. Okay, mine are like Debbie Downer ones. (laughs) All right, let's see. 
Oh, it is a downer. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, the headline is, Use That Word, Trump Embraces the Nationalist Label. Um, so at a campaign rally in Houston on Monday night, President Trump um, said to the folks in attendance at the rally, uh, I am, a, I'll just use the word, I am a nationalist, I believe in America, and that is a word that should be okay to use. And of course, I uh, cringed when I heard that. Um, I've been uh, doing some work on the alt-right and on white nationalism, which is what I usually think of when I hear the term uh, nationalist. And so I thought, You're not alone. this is really an expansion of what we call the Overton window, or or the sort of what is allowable to say in public discourse. So when you have a, a president of the United States who who says that it's okay to claim that you're a, a nationalist, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty troubling. And I think he did say, I read in another article later, that he wasn't aware of the history of that word. So I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can necessarily say that's a, a defensible to not understand the language that you're using mm -hmm. before you use it. Um, and I, I, whether or not he did, I think it, I, th I find it troubling as well because mm -hmm. I, I cringe when I hear that word. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, here's, I mean, it was, what's scarier, uh, Trump knowing the history of that word and using it anyway, or, or it. using it and not knowing mm -hmm. it? Like, and I don't know what I find more disturbing as a citizen that mm -hmm. our president would just say words that he doesn't know the meaning of. Yeah, and there's a, a long, a lot of, uh, there's a pattern of his campaign and now his administration saying, oh, we didn't mean it that way, um, and so I think sort of continuing to hide behind that veil of ignorance it remains not very convincing for me. There's also really good evidence that there are folks in his administration who follow alt-right white nationalists on Twitter mm -hmm. and on Facebook and who reproduce those messages um, consciously. So for me, that's becoming a less convincing defense. And I'm also feeling less appreciative of that, if I ever was appreciative of, of that, of that, oh, you're you're blowing this out of proportion mm -hmm. response, mm -hmm. which we heard when um, the First Lady Melania wore the, the coat th that said, I really don't care to you. And then at the, her office was saying, you're blowing this out of proportion. There's a, it was not a statement. It was just fashion. And then later she, in an interview, said, oh, that really was a statement. I was trying to say that I didn't, she was saying she was being bullied and she didn't really care. Um, so it's, it's, you know, this back and forth with this, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's scarier. Yeah. Well, uh, that was another depressing story from Jen. And if you want to continue, welcome. and if you want to continue to hear depressing stories out of Jen, <laughs> you should be like uh, Brooke from Idaho who donated oh, Brooke, to our thank show you today. So Thanks, much. Brooke. That's fantastic. Yes. I really appreciate it. And listen, there's so many depressing stories and Jen loves talking about them on the air. <laughs> and the way to keep doing that is to donate. And there's one of three ways to donate. You can call 208-258-2072. You can go online at radioboise.org. Or you can come down here to 1020 West Main, the Alaska building. We're in the basement. And uh, ask Jen more about her depressing stories. <laughs> you uh, can ask who hurt me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have to bring up all these horrible stories. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we have 10 minutes left in the show. We have blown our record out of the water. We're at 8 donors now, I think. Fantastic. My math, you did right? a great job. I mean, yeah. It's pretty exciting. I would love to get one, at least one more person. Who's going to be that one one more person. I mean, Mississippi's represented. California's represented. Kansas. Kansas. We look yeah. nationally, right? Where are so you at, Idaho? From the Treasure Valley. That's right. I would like to see some folks. Treasure Valley. Hey, guess what? I am a Boise High Brave myself. How about if one of you who's a Boise High alum call up and support this station just down the road? Uh, we're here at um, 
1020 West Main Street. You can also call 208-258-2072 or go to RadioBoise.org and support the Big Tent and Community Powered Radio. Which I think, you know, a few weeks ago we did a show where we talked about good things in the world um, because we had been kind of going through a lot of, you know, news that maybe wasn't always inspiring or positive. And um, a couple people had chimed in with how great, like, community organizations were and different elements, seeing people involved with the community. And here again, right, like Radio Boise, it's community-driven. It's by the community. It's for the community. Another great way to be involved in something positive um, here in the Treasure Valley. So please support us and um, help keep us on the air and help keep us, um, you know, our equipment working great and everything. So donate it to call us at 208-258-2072 that's a really good point we needed a new antenna this year um we're all volunteer powered down here except for sort of the core staff there's nothing super fancy about what's going on down here in fact the ac is out today so we're sweating like dogs here at the big tent um we just do bare bones and the focus is really on the music it's really on the programming and it's really on providing a service to the community so we'd love for you to uh help us out and support that at radioboise.org i mean i feel like we have time for one or two more headlines what do you have, Luke? All right. So there's uh, one other thing I want to talk about. So uh, I actually ran across this because our good friend John Freemuth from the Andrews Center for uh, Policy at the School of Public Service was quoted in an article of Popular Science. And it's called The Most Important Science Policy Issue in Every State. And so I, I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, article. Um, I thought interesting, like, what would y'all say the, the most important science issue in Idaho is? If you read the article, it's cheating for... I for sure would say, well, so I was at Policy Pub last night, downtown McGillies, uh, Penn Gillies, and uh, McGillies, <laughs> it's right next to Penn Gillies, <laughs> uh, Policy Pub put on by the McClure Center at U of I, and the topic there was fire, um, and so it seems to oh, me yeah, like that would be important. an, an mm-hmm. obvious choice. Yeah, yeah, I would say environmental issues like fire or climate change, those things are often going to be top of our mind here. Well, so somewhat related, uh, they identified uh, forests and dealing with forests, sharing Mm -hmm. them, um, federal, state, local issues and managing our forests is the most important policy issue. Um, So I thought that was a a pretty interesting thing. But going through uh, a lot of this other stuff, um, there's definitely a lot of climate change issues that pop up. Mm. Um, So definitely on the West Coast, dealing dealing with public lands, dealing with environmental issues. Um, dealing with water quality and air quality. Um, so it's also interesting how many things that pop up about infrastructure, um, particularly rebuilding roads in certain in certain states. Um, I believe it was Nebraska that is uh, dealing with their Wi-Fi or their uh, broadband connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a wide variety of issues that, that have come up from um, dealing with a lot of different science stuff. And I thought this was, was interesting because uh, it just reminded me that science plays such an important part of our, our lives and, and this technology and all this kind of stuff. And some states have some really important science issues and technology issues. What was it for Mississippi? That's where you're from. Uh, I will tell you that. I should know this one. Uh, so rebuilding bridges. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So this is an interesting story. Uh, I went to visit my parents for Christmas, and I was, like, driving to their house, and they have they live on this long road, and on one end of the road, there's a bridge. And I go to turn on this road, and the bridge is literally closed, and there's big, like, piles of it. You can't go across it. And so, like, I drive all the way. It's like a 10-mile drive all the way around to get to their house. And I got home, and I was like, hey, what's going on with this bridge? And my dad was explaining to me. He's like, oh, well, the city of Jackson can't rebuild any of the bridges. They're all gone out. And because they haven't completed the audits, the federal government won't give them any more money to oh repair the bridges. Gosh. So there's just bridges 
out all over the oh, city geez. and there's roads closed all over the city that they can't fix because they can't get federal money because they won't do the audits and all the other checks. And I so mean, who just, likes to do paperwork, though? Yeah. I totally get it. And so it was just a city <laughs> with crumbling infrastructure. And it's amazing. Like You drive around town, you're like, oh, can't go this way. The bridge is out. Well, and that's scary, right? Because it, it's dangerous um, when you have those situations as well as problematic for not being able to get to where you need to go um so yeah so infrastructure needs i definitely there that's a big issue for a lot of our kind of crumbling infrastructure across the country now jackie do you care to venture a guess yeah. what kansas is big kansas is big issue is i can I, I i don't know you're never gonna get this one dry cleaning chemicals in resident water oh huh. i would never that's really specific huh. and scary yeah <laughs> but i wouldn't have imagined that dry cleaning is that higher rate in kansas compared to other places yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> so weird yeah. i mean you didn't know kansas is the dry cleaning capital of the world <laughs> I mean, me. like we're all shipping our, our uh, clothes to kansas for i mean cleaning. you That's do always look really fresh and clean oh, jackie oh, so yeah it makes sense to me. <laughs> um so i have a little bit of exciting news to take us out uh the end of the show with and that is that in fact we had a boise high brave show up and give us a donation. Yay. Oh my God! But her name is Jess. <laughs> she oh, may or Jess. may not have been a classmate of mine. <laughs> um, thanks for repping, Jess. Uh, and what she appreciates about Radio Boise is Big Tent and Boise High Volleyball. <laughs> Snap! I love it. Yes, thank you, Jess. Yay, Appreciate thank you, you listening and running the station. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, well, I think that's it for us for today. This is our uh, last Radiothon. Um, listen, you still have time to give. Radiothon's going on until tomorrow night at 8, a party that Beth talked about. Um, and make sure that you follow us, The Big Tent, on at Big Tent Radio at Facebook or on Twitter. I think we have some music that's going to take us out. The Great Lakes Swimmers, who are going to be playing here at the station tomorrow. Beth's going to cue that up. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks for joining us, Beth. I've had so much fun. This was super fun. Okay, this is I get to do this with you guys every radiothon. (laughs) Sounds good. Only if I'm invited. We'd love to have you. All right. Have a good have a good one.